It's news to us. We're live on Adobe Radio. The week of what is the date? August third. Holy August crap! Third. Wow. Wow. August. The time is just flying by, folks. This year can't come to an end soon enough. Through that, everybody says that time flies. The older you get, and it's true. And this is uh, one year where I'm grateful that that's happening. Amen. Um, so uh, DJT is being in- investigated for fraud. What? Uh, it's, no it's a huge, huge shocker. We'll talk about uh, that. This is a continuation of the worst witch hunt in American history. And uh, there's nothing that I know even about it. You know, they had I had seen that today just a little while ago. And I said, what's this all about? I know nothing about it. But it's just a continuation of the witch hunt. Those are that's like his only defense. Witch hunt. I know nothing about it. That's that's oh. his defense. And he gets and actually it, it seems to work for him. I don't know if maybe it's because he's rich and powerful, but it seems to work for him. I'm going to try that next time I get a speeding ticket. It's a witch it's hunt. A I know nothing about it. This is the biggest witch hunt in American history. I was not going 45 in that school zone. Witch hunt. Oh, you have you have proof. Yeah, I think your radar gun's faulty. Faulty radar gun. It's the Democrat. A Democrat probably made that radar gun. They're coming after me. Uh, then we're going to talk to Mondaire Jones. He actually worked in the Obama administration, and he is running for Congress. The stakes are too high for us to just sit out on the sidelines. It's news to us. With Eddie, Jason, and Katie. Yeah. Here we go. How are you guys doing? We are live. Good. How are you? Good. Uh, our phone number is one triple eight nine nine Adobe. By the way, I never give that out because I always forget to turn on the phones. But they are on. We are live. If you'd like to call in at one eight 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 nine nine four three six two four, if you wanted to say what's up to us, or maybe you have a um, a question for our upcoming guest. Again, that's one triple eight ninety nine Adobe. Toll free. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so uh, doing okay. You know, I got the uh, we got these weird unsolicited seeds in the mail. Seeds, oh. this little packet of seeds. You got one. You, you got, got that? Them? You guys have heard of this? Oh yeah, yeah. It's you, like a thing. It, yeah, China. So China, uh, the USDA is looking into this. Uh, they're saying that people across the U.S. are receiving unsolicited shipments of foreign seeds. And uh, they're advised not to plant these foreign seeds. Or throw them away. You have to call to have them confiscated. Yeah, I know. They're just sitting on top of the microwave. And I look at them every day and I'm like, ha. (laughs) Eat one and see what happens. Yeah, a a little bit of olive oil, salt and pepper, roast them 450. (laughs) Because you're going to poop that. It's an invasive species. So should I eat? So by the way, they're saying that these seeds are from China. They could uh, be dangerous and evasive plant species. Idiots get these seeds in the mail, and I guess they just plant them in their garden uh, willy nilly. No, they no the the, I the, hope the, not. the issue is they throw them away. Oh, that's they up, how they spread. And they end up in a landfill is what you're saying, right? Yeah. Well, and they blow around, and God <laughs> knows what what seed. What is it? It, it sort of looks like a pumpkin seed. Um, oh, they're big. Yeah, they are kind of big. And uh, I'll probably eat one on the air during our election special. So tune in for that on November 3rd. 
You know, I that's they how might we're be laced with Corona. Eddie commits suicide <laughs> for our election special. Suicide by seed. <laughs> You're definitely not allowed over here for that. Then <laughs> I don't want the Rona. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. It's weird though these seeds. But anyways, yeah, yeah it's I, weird. Where did come? Where was like the return address? I'm curious. It, it was weird. I don't know. It was like one of these things where you get a package in the mail and you open it up and then you just throw it away and you're not even thinking about ah. it. And then Did this be like Chinese government. Nah, I, was, I don't. <laughs> I don't even know. And it also came like this with this little weird pink, uh, like stand that you could like fold out and put a picture on. That I don't. What? That what? I don't understand. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I heard that it was like a thing where. Like in China, they started cracking down on fake product reviews for like Alibaba. Yeah. And so in order to mitigate them figuring out that it was not a real product that was sent out, they started shipping package. Like they had to actually like go through the action of shipping a package. So it's, I forget what they call it, but they ship out just a package full of nonsense just to ship a package. Yeah. To random addresses, and then they leave a fake review related uh, to that package. Uh, okay, yeah, I also heard that is like it might be just a review scam. So yeah, uh, but maybe they're pumpkins. Weird. Yeah, but it's still weird. Yeah, the fact that it seeds is like kind of creepy. It is. Like, why didn't you just send the weird picture frame? But you know the weird thing is is like uh, we were kind of working on the garden and ordering seeds through the mail. So we were kind of confused because we thought we had already planted everything that we ordered. And we we're like, we almost planted it. They almost got oh. us. Ah. Almost got us. Dirty <laughs> An in-depth look at this week's most important stories. What would I? What would you guys say if I were to tell you that a man who was found guilty of illegally using funds intended for charity to boost his 2016 presidential campaign is uh, now being investigated for fraud? The same guy who also was caught running a scam university. <gasps> Shocker! And I think every business he's ever run has been a scam. No. Mm, yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. Let I, me ask I you this know. question, Eddie. But the boner. The boner pills didn't even work. Yeah. Did you have you ever tried Trump steaks? Have I ever tried them, or would I? No, have you? I no. Uh, I did. Did you? I did not. No. No. I wouldn't even know where to get that. Are they still? Uh, do they I still sell those? A vodka connoisseur, and I never tried Trump vodka. So there's that. The guy couldn't sell red meat to Americans or alcohol <laughs> to Americans. So or alcohol. I <laughs> <Yeah>. mean. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Everything this guy And how do you bankrupt a casino? Like, really? All they do is, it's their job to take people's money. Maybe they did, re- in fact, have the loosest slots. <laughs> <laughs> he's a good, he's the best businessman, okay? The best. Don't question him. But now Don't he's being investigated for fraud. What's happening with this, Katie? Well, um, Cy Vance, the Manhattan District Attorney. Junior. Uh, uh-huh. Cy Vance Jr. Oh, Junior, excuse me. Yeah. Suggested today kidding. that um, the office has been investigating President Trump and his company for possible bank and insurance fraud, which is a significantly broader inquiry than the prosecutor had acknowledged in the past. 
Uh, so this is no. um, interesting because we might get to finally see his tax returns, but not until after the election, though, it's the thing. Yeah, they don't. I mean, he can work quickly on it, and it seems like he is because the Supreme Court ruling just came back to kick it down to the lower courts like, what, a couple weeks ago? So yeah. um, the fact that it's already moving forward is pretty cool. Yeah, um, we, we might actually find out if he really is a billionaire because uh, there we'll get a good look at his finances. And also, it's being alleged th- the fraud is that he inflated his net worth and the value of his properties to lenders and insurers. Insurance fraud. Just serious. Yeah. If this if this were you or me saying that, you know, or we're doing like renter's insurance or insurance on our car saying that it's worth a lot more. That way, if we get in an accident, we can get a lot more money. We'd be going to jail. Yeah. I mean, and basically he was like inflating the values of his properties before they would be appraised. Um, and then when he was filing taxes, he was saying they were worth a lot less. Oh, all. Noted by Michael Cohen in his sworn testimony in front of Congress. Yes, yeah. The fixer, Michael the Cohen. The fixer. fixer. Yes. Anyways, fraud. Uh, and uh, but we'll, we won't find out until after the election. So we'll keep an eye on this. And uh, as you heard at the beginning of the show, this is DJT's response. This is a continuation of the worst witch hunt in American history. Yeah, it's always a witch hunt. <laughs> you never do anything wrong. His bankruptcies were not his fault. Everybody else's fault but his. He's never made a mistake. He's the is his friends say he's the most perfect person. I think he said that. That was a quote. The most I hire the best person until I fire them and then they're the worst. (laughs) (laughs) But we'll keep an eye on that one. That's interesting and a big development and a pretty major story, actually. But you know, there's a major story every damn day, so it's hard to every hour. Uh, I mean, you can't go a day without having major stories happening. And that like we've said before, like that is his tactic. Yeah. Just, it, just flood us with bullshit. A, another major story is that uh, we don't have a national COVID-19 response because when it originally started, it was only affecting Democratic states. That is our next story, The Dirty Deets. The Dirty Deets. An in-depth look at this week's most important stories. So Jared Kushner is in charge of the national COVID plan, but uh, it's now coming out that when this thing first started, there wasn't uh, a coherent effort to stop this thing nationwide because it was at first only affecting blue states, uh, which should piss off everybody. Blue, red. I mean, they literally killed thousands of Americans for political reasons. It's it's uh, yeah. crazy. How is what this- happened to be American? Be you know we're all Americans, and that's well, the and thing. Just the ignorance of assuming that it wouldn't spread anyways is just just it should just go to show. Really, I mean, they don't believe in science. Let's I mean let's be honest. They what you. They don't believe in it, so of yeah. course they made this type of fucking decision. I mean, it spread from China, and they didn't think it would spread from New York to Colorado. Like, come on. <laughs> well, yeah. we went from China to the Mideast to Europe, and then to yeah. us. Like, it was and, like a wave. Like, and to, make, to make it even more infuriating, at first they did have a pretty good national response that was put together, but then Jared Kushner... Uh, 
Well, better uh, better than what we have now. I'll say that. Not, yeah, not, not it pretty was good. something. It, it was wasn't something. great. It, it's uh, what was it? Uh, more testing and uh, what what was part of their the the plan that got scrapped? Uh, well, I mean, it was basically put together by his college roommate and yeah. like yeah, Jared some Kushner from <laughs> some billionaires and you know a real estate agent. That's Jared Kushner's. Uh, by the way, that's his uh, qualification for running a pandemic. He's a he's a realtor. In case yeah, you need so to buy. A condo or something. He did also bankrupt a newspaper, so there, he's got that on his resume as well. <laughs> Trump loves him for that. I wonder why he's welcome. He's that like family. a little Trump. <laughs> yeah, like anything I touch, I bankrupt. He was welcoming with open arms. Yeah. So it was basically a coordinated distribution of test kits, um, so they could surge heavily affected areas with them. Um, and to oversee national contact tracing infrastructure, which you have to have good testing to do, um, which they felt like if they lifted contract restrictions where doctors and hospitals send tests that would let laboratories um, test any sample. This is better, so, better than what we have now. It is. It's better than what we have now. But, and they I scrapped mean, it all. Again, they scrapped it because COVID was primarily only hurting Democrats. Yeah. yeah it's that, a true story. That's that's it. So they, I mean, and everybody, remember when uh, Trump was first elected, people were like, even if you're not for Trump, we should all root for him because we all want America to be better. But it turns because out. Because he's our president and he's we want president. to prosper. Right. And then even for the people who fell for that, they're being uh, duped because uh, once this guy gets in office, if you don't uh, lick his anus uh, in any shape, way, or form, <laughs> you are thrown You're to the You're not an wolves. anus licker. Yeah. <laughs> Which is gross. We only use gross. medical <laughs> terms here. Only medical terms. This is a professional show. Wait, medical term I think is ring job. Oh, I think it's Isn't anal it rim job. I think it's anal oh, anal, right. anal cunnilingus. Anal cunnilingus. So. Ring job. I'm, I'm going to go with that. When you use medical terms, it's not dirty. Rim job, ring job. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, it's just so disgusting. It really is. It really is. It, that's pretty much. It's not the story, surprising, though. though, is it? It's not surprising. Like, are you are you shocked by that? Are you shocked by hearing no, about this? I told Jason at the begin, like mid pandemic, I was like, Jason, they're trying to kill us. She did say that more than once. I was, I like, was like, he's no, trying to kill us. No, that can't be. It and now we see that that's true. So allegedly, uh, <laughs> yeah. Stop it. No, no more alleged with Stop this. Stop being an anus licker. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, don't talk to me like that yeah all right well um let's um well you know what let's get how about a, a wtf we haven't done that in a long time or the fuck whatever you call it this this segment right the now. fuck yeah the fuck and now news that shouldn't be news the item is on the agenda, but no name appears on there as well. What? Rick Salinger joins us tonight to talk more about this. Rick- okay, I don't know what. So you go to a website sometimes and they just start playing a video. Don't you hate that? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what is going on here? I was going to say, oh, it's a local news story. <laughs> <laughs> 
Live show. Live show. <laughs> There's another uh, fist fight over mask wearing and social distancing. This actually happened in the state we live in, in Colorado Springs, in a Walmart between two <clears throat> women. Two women got into a fist fight mm-hmm. over social distancing at Walmart. Uh, Walmart just did start requiring masks, face masks, like what, Monday, last week or something, or the week before? Yeah. So, um, yeah, people are still freaking out about the face masks. How's it going at your job, Jason? Because you work with the, the public coming in and out. Are you still having to deal with a lot of people? Uh, I'm dealing with public, but they're not coming in and out. Well, we, 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 but, we, we but there's a face uh, I'm mask fortunate enough to we're, we're doing curbside only, but you have a face oh, mask wow. requirement, right? And people still try to come without face masks. Yeah, I mean, it's a our governor here in Colorado has mandated that the uh, face coverings are required. So most people are adhering to it, but we do. So we still continue to see some folks not adhering to that. What do you do? How do you handle that order? situation? What do I do with them? Because now it's your job to enforce state uh, policy. So what I do, do a citizen's arrest immediately. <laughs> <laughs> I hereby place you under citizen's arrest. And if they try to run, I run. I chase them. <laughs> but you have to stay six. Citizens feet arrest. You have to stay I have six. A badge feet. made out of paper and like construction paper that I've made. He sends Rome after him. And I'm like, citizens arrest. Stop. <laughs> I will sick my canine on you. <laughs> but how do you arrest somebody staying six feet apart? <clears throat> I have a claw. That's what our dog ah. is for. Yeah, I claw them with the handcuffs. <laughs> Well, uh, yeah, people are still freaking out about the masks, but no, no surprise there. Just wear your damn masks, okay? The fuck? Really? Real quick. And now, news that shouldn't be news. Why are you talking over the production like an amateur? Why are you up? fucking playing the production when I'm still talking? You weren't talking. I was talking. I would like to note that in the br- uh, briefing today from DJT, he said that... Uh, Cases are starting to uh, plateau or, or, or starting to decline in you know certain southern and western states, and I would like to point out the reason why they're declining is most of those states have implemented a statewide mask mandate, which should be a federal mandate. You fucking asshole! Yes. Um, you're also forgetting the fact that the COVID numbers are now not going to the CDC but directly to the White House, and as soon as that started to happen, we we're at a plateau. So, <laughs> fair enough. You. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but so uh, on a different note, though, uh, this is this should make you guys feel great. Uh, if you if you hate now, don't worry because we don't have to worry about it much longer. Scientists claim that there's a ninety percent chance that the end of the world could happen within decades. Uh, well, great, just in time for the end <laughs> of our lives, anyways. Not for our daughter's life. This is because of the global deforestation, global warming, irreversible collapse of human civilization will occur within the next two to four decades, they say. Uh, Two to four? That's soon. I won't even get to pay off my student loans before the world. (laughs) Right? (laughs) I won't even start paying mine. (laughs) Depends on uh, where we go with our elected uh, leaders here. Actually, you know what? Everybody should start racking up those credit cards now. Get, in, get into a lot of debt. Who cares? Now, now, who cares? What are you talking about now? <laughs> oh, true. In the economy. Yep, it's all over. Uh, this study says, "quote It is highly unlikely to imagine the survival of many species, including our own, 
on Earth without forests. And it's uh, irreversible at this point, they say. Um, well, catastrophic yeah, collapse. To breathe. A cat, yeah, a catastrophic collapse in the human population is uh, the most likely scenario, they say. Uh, and there's only a 10% chance that we, f- we fix this. That's crazy. That's like one of those, I think like there, uh, wasn't it a weekend update on SNL that was kind of talking about global warming and they were saying that we just can't comprehend the fact that all of world is going to die so we don't uh, pay attention to it. Well, I mean, this isn't anything new. Like scientists have been screaming this from the rooftop for years and nobody's paid attention and nobody's listened and the people that do get chastised and, you know, like, I mean, people try, but we still have stupid science deniers. I mean, anus lickers. <laughs> I mean, you have you have fires that are are coming. Uh, you know, there's forest fires happening in the Arctic, where there's generally permafrost, where the ground is uh, permanently frozen. Yeah. Now we're it's thawing so much that fires can rage through there, and it's wiping out the entire ecosystem. In that area. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's just so many compounded factors now that, man, I could drone on about this for hours. This is, it, yeah, it's bad. It's really bad. Yeah. And we, all be scared. and we thought coronavirus and being locked down was hard. Like 10, 20 years from now, like it's going to be so much worse. You know, coronavirus actually did our environment a huge favor. Like, I think I heard the other day, it was on in the background on the news, but the the hole in our atmosphere actually started closing up. Yeah, when everybody just chilled for what, when like everybody was weeks. locked up. Yeah, and maybe that's what we have to do. More of that. I I, I do feel like uh, less people will be, will be actually going to the office after all of this, so that'll kind of help the environment. But still, we have to do yeah. more than that because when you're at home on the computer sending emails those are those are run by servers that consume a lot of electricity in fact every email you send uh it actually creates a lot of pollution as we really? fake news yeah. yeah it's not fake news i had never heard that before yeah um so like in this article i was reading i, I don't it was a while back but they're saying like uh we'll have to start be being more conservative with the amount of emails like don't reply just thank you or or, or got it, you know, be, be <laughs> smiley face. Yeah. Be purposeful with your emails. Cause you're killing the planet. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe there should be a ratio. Like with the amount of emails that you send out, you should plant X amount of trees. There should be like a, a, a an equation to that. So how many yeah. trees should Jeff Bezos plant? Uh, first, he should start with one on top of his head to cover that bald spot. Whoa, whoa, that's like baldism. <laughs> yeah, we'll fuck him anyway. Whatever happens to all of us. I'm not saying I have a perfect head of hair, so fuck him. I can say it. <laughs> you know you're gonna be bald now. Oh, I'm sure. That's probably Don't, yeah. You're you're like a, a a bull in a china shop right now. Yep, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah it's fine you're all right but so if you wait real personal question eddie you you start losing your hair and you get the receding hairline are you gonna bick your head yes um are you gonna gonna do like the 
the Caesar hairdo, like <laughs> bald on top. Yeah, I'll do that. Are you gonna Are you gonna do the DJT where you do the comb over from do- the left side to the right? <laughs> I'm gonna do the George Costanza. The George Costanza. <laughs> yeah, the George. Yeah. Um, okay, we'll be back here in just a few with our guest, another person running for office. This has been really awesome uh, to talk to all these candidates. Mundare Jones is running for uh, uh, Congress New York 12, and uh, he'll be joining us next. Don't go anywhere. We're watching you. I was raised by a single mother who worked multiple jobs, and we still needed food stamps to get by. My grandparents helped raise me. My grandfather was a janitor. My grandmother cleaned homes. I didn't come from money. I'm black. I'm gay. And so I don't see people like me in office very often. Every day we wake up and it feels like the world is on fire. You also had people that were very fine people on both sides. We have got to be fighting tooth and nail for the things that we say we believe in, like a Green New Deal, Medicare for All, and criminal justice reform. I've been fighting my entire life. First, it was against the odds of my upbringing to make it to Stanford University, to work in the Obama administration, and then go to Harvard Law School. I've been fighting in the courtrooms on behalf of Westchester County residents, and now I'm running to fight for the people of New York's 17th Congressional District to represent the same people whose homes I watched my grandmother clean. That is the quintessential American dream. We don't need more millionaires in Congress. We need more people of color, more young people, more queer people. We need more people in office who understand that experience, who can speak to people who have been shut out of the political process. The stakes are too high for us to just sit out on the sidelines. It's news to us. Election 2020 coverage continues. And our election 2020 coverage does continue right here on It's News to Us. And very excited for our guest this week. Endorsed by the New York Times editorial board, Mondaire Jones for Congress. He attended Harvard Law. Worked in the Obama administration as running to represent New York 12. Uh, Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It's it's such a uh, pleasure to be here. I'm really excited about it. Well, let's see if you say that after the interview. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I think I can weather the storm. (laughs) No, we appreciate you coming on. And, uh, you know, we uh, usually like to get to know our our guests who are running for office a little bit on a personal level before we dive into the policy question. So if you don't mind Uh uh, us asking, what's the last thing you binge watched on Netflix? Don't worry, it's not an uh-oh question. (laughs) <laughs> oh my goodness! The last thing I binge watched, uh, probably this series. I think it's a, I think it's a Ryan Murphy's limited series called Hollywood on Netflix. Oh, how was that? I, I saw the the trailer for it, but I never got around to it. I don't know why. I kind of forgot about it. It is. It, it was incredible. Uh, it sort of reimagines the, the post World War II um, Hollywood scene and, and introduces diverse characters who frankly were, were never featured on, on the silver screen back back then right uh, so it's, it's a really it's a really cool innovation and, and the actors were, were amazing oh, okay cool yeah i'm gonna have to go back to that one uh if you could master any skill in a day what would you pick uh, um, swimming i want to be an expert swimmer like michael phelps style 
like Olympic swimmer or yeah you know no no drug use involved there but yeah <laughs> <laughs> right well it didn't seem to really affect his performance um here's I say so postmates uber eats or grubhub ooh grubhub ah why that's not the one i would pick i've had bad because experience. it's the only, because it's the only one i've ever used and so i go with what i'm familiar with oh, okay <laughs> You know, none of them uh, are involved in sponsoring the show or anything, but I, I have to say I like uh, Postmates the best. But they were just bought by Uber Eats, so what can you do? Um, but anyways, so at uh, let's talk a little bit more about you and uh, running for office. Uh, what uh, what made you want to jump in the race? You know, I have for a really long time felt like members of my party, the Democratic Party could be fighting and should be fighting harder for the things that we say we believe in. Uh, and that means using our majority in the House of Representatives more vigorously uh, to, to actually get results for the American people. And I have felt for years now that we've got to be fighting harder for the things that we say we believe in. Uh, Republicans do it all the time. And with the climate change crisis uh, here, or climate catastrophe really on the horizon, uh, and people like me having a stake in the future of the planet, this is really personal for me. Uh, so is the fact that this economy doesn't work for the vast majority of American households, like the one I grew up in, when I was in Section 8 housing and on food stamps, and my young single mom still had to work multiple jobs to put food on the table for us. Uh, so I- I'm really excited to be running to deliver the kinds of big structural changes that would materially improve the lives of everyday folks. You touched on a few things that I think uh, are interesting to talk about. One is, like, are Democrats too nice? We see Republicans kind of fight tooth and nail, and they're not afraid to uh, use the rules to the fullest extent they can or break them. Do you think that uh, Democrats are just too too damn nice? I think we are. I think sometimes we run from our own shadow, and uh, and people are are noticing that, right? I mean, uh, we... We are seeing within the Democratic Party this progressive wave uh, where, you know, New York State is is ground zero, so to speak. And, you know, it wasn't just my race, right? It was Jamal Bowman's insurgent bid uh, that ended up being successful for Congress. It was a number of state legislative victories uh, all throughout Brooklyn and Queens. Uh, Of course, my victory was in the suburbs, and I I think it's really important to pay attention to that fact because it shows that progressives can compete successfully uh, in in the affluent parts that are not of of any state that are not, um, you know, that are not metropolitan, so to speak, so long as you have a, a candidate with a compelling message. Uh, who, you know, with the resources to be successful. And our resources came in the form of small-dollar donations from all throughout the district uh, and, and throughout the country, frankly, uh, and, and, and more than anything, a, a movement of people, hundreds of college and high school students and seniors making phone calls for us. That's how you win a race that is a crowded eight-way Democratic primary where the second-place finisher spends $5.4 million dollars. Right. And and, um, to go back to what you were mentioning earlier, you did mention the environment. uh, Last segment, we were talking about how some scientists gave humanity a 10% chance of not surviving or a 10% chance of surviving, excuse me, a 90% chance of not surviving the next uh, 
three to four decades, which is just crazy. We have this huge existential crisis on the horizon with global warming. I mean, this should probably be the number one thing we're all talking about, the the, the end of all humanity, right? I mean, how, how do we communicate to people that this is really a dire situation? And meanwhile, people in Congress are chilling, right? Um, you yeah. know, it, it is it is wild to me that we are not talking more about this. Uh, the environment is my number one priority because if we don't have a planet that we can inhabit, the other stuff that I've been talking about, sometimes uniquely on the campaign trail, even in a Democratic primary, uh, don't matter so much. Uh, and so, you know, I, I think that we've got to enact a Green New Deal um, because nothing else comes close to averting climate catastrophe. I just spent, you know, the whole year arguing with somebody, uh, my second place opponent over a carbon tax, not going far enough. Right? We can't really, we can't rest on market-based solutions at this point. We need to, do, we need to end fracking and offshore drilling and the export of crude oil, uh, and and we need to invest heavily in clean, uh, renewable sources of energy. That is how we're going to get ourselves out of this. And of course, we need to work in concert with other countries re-enter agreements like the Paris Agreement, uh, but be bolder and and make sure that we can get commitments from, from everybody because the United States can't do it on its own. Yeah, that's right. And I, I think with uh, what we saw with COVID was interesting, too. We were kind of talking about that, too, earlier in the show is we saw that there were um, a lot of positive environmental impacts from people stopping their commuting and driving less less fuel consumption parts of the ozone was it were actually sort of healing itself so maybe even it's as it's as far as telling everybody to to work from home one week a month or something you know like we got to kind of think outside the box i think i, I think i think it's that I, and, and I, I i'm there i'm with you uh, i think people are seeing including physicians who are who are treating their patients and evaluating their patients you know virtually are, are finding that they can do so much of this stuff from home um, it's also public transportation, which we do not talk enough about. We know that public transportation is so much more environmentally friendly than driving a car or taking a bus. Uh, and that is something that I'm really passionate about introducing in parts of this district, which includes all, uh, parts of Westchester County and all of Rockland County, again, suburbs of New York City. So you served in the Obama administration. What was that time like and what exactly did you do? Were you uh, ever working directly with President Obama? I did not work directly with President Obama. I was in the Department of Justice and in the Office of Legal Policy uh, in particular, not to be confused with the Office of Legal Counsel, which, which has that torture memo uh, history to it um, from a different administration. I was working on vetting candidates for federal judgeships. These were candidates who were willing to say in their Senate confirmation hearings that they agreed with Brown v. Board of Education which is something we just took for granted a few years ago before Donald Trump started nominating people to the bench. Uh, and I also worked on, on reforming our criminal legal system. I don't call it a criminal justice system because there's not much justice in it these days, uh, if ever, really. Uh, and so, you know, making sure that we do things like eliminate, eliminate mandatory minimums in sentencing, but legalize cannabis, uh, making sure that we abolish private prisons, fully fund the right to counsel, uh, and then on the policing side of things, ending qualified immunity so that people can be held responsible for violating the constitutional rights of civilians uh, and, and making sure that people who are responsible for investigating and, if necessary, prosecuting law enforcement officers are independent and not the same district attorney's offices that have to work every single day with these uh, local police officers. 
Um, those are the things that I propose at the federal level, and I'm really excited about getting to work because it can't just be Hakeem Jeffries on the House side talking about uh, racial injustice and policing, uh, and Kamala Harris and Cory Booker, and my goodness, even even Tim Tim Scott on the Republican side at times, though we have a lot of disagreements. Um, so, so I'm excited about joining that chorus of people. At the age of 19, you were elected to the uh, chair of a committee on the NAACP, and I know that the NAACP has been really vocal of their disapproval of federal law enforcement being sent to uh, these protest spots. So what's your take on that whole situation? Well, you've really done your research. Um, yes, I was I was really fortunate uh, at that age to be uh, to be the chair of the committee on the national board of directors for the NAACP. And, um, you, you know, I am lockstep with the organization as it concerns, uh, the need, the urgent need for policing reform. Um, we have to make sure that we are not, uh, for example, giving military grade equipment every year that is, that we have in excess at the federal level to, to local law enforcement agencies. We actually have an issue with that right here in my district. Um, and and there's a bill that would eliminate that practice uh, and we just have to radically reimagine the way that we do policing in our society right i mean uh we we have to well defund police and reallocate those funds to things that we know improve public safety but don't require uh, terrorizing black and brown people uh, like giving that by creating employment opportunities for young people in particular uh, increasing the number of social workers that we have in our society. Uh, school psychologists uh, is, is something that, that, that we need to be focusing more on and, and, and creating more, more of those positions, including right here in New York 17th Congressional District. Um, th- th- those are the things that I'm, that I'm really focused on as an alternative to policing. You mentioned that um, you know the, there's uh, a surplus of military equipment that goes to the police department. Do you think that we spend too much money on our military? Absolutely, we do. I would have supported Bernie Sanders' amendment to um, reduce the military budget. Of course, Barbara Lee has also been a champion on that. I, I did not want to overlook her on the House side. Um, even, even you know, you know, people who uh, traditionally have been viewed as establishment figures sign on to that. Uh, sign on to that amendment, but not enough. And I think that was shameful too. So I, I, we have to reduce our military budget. It cannot be this thing that no one ever talks about doing and that we don't touch every year, even while everything else gets cut. Um, it's, it's crazy. We have to put an end to endless wars uh, and we have to reduce this ridiculously large um, military budget and invest in education and building affordable housing um, and and making sure that everybody can go to college without taking on crippling student debt. But if people aren't oppressed, they won't revo- they won't vote Republican. That's the problem. <laughs> so that's really what I'm not... <laughs> I think that's what that's what we're fighting here. So I, you men- you yeah. mentioned that in your district, it's a suburban district, and last week we saw Trump reverse affordable housing. I just want to know your thoughts and your feelings. On, on the reversal of uh, Obama's implementation of affordable housing, and yeah, what you you thought about that? Does that affect your district right. a whole lot? It, it it absolutely does affect the district. Let me just provide some context. So um, there was a HUD regulation that was 
promulgated under Obama when Julian Castro was Secretary of HUD. It's called AAFH. And the idea is to affirmatively further affordable housing. And it means specifically that if a municipality receives um, federal funds, that that municipality has to uh, take in, take stock of, uh, of its housing practices and affirmatively uh, plan to desegregate. I wrote an op-ed about a week ago in the New York Daily News on this very subject, calling out the, I won't even call it a dog whistle, really. I mean, it was just like explicit race baiting, this idea of a suburban lifestyle dream being under attack uh, by by Democrats like Joe Biden, of all people. My goodness, could you imagine? Um, you know, not it, it, this idea that like by building affordable units that we are going to disrupt um, the suburban dream. Well, if your suburban dream hinges on white supremacy and segregation, then I suppose that's true. But we know that we can build vibrant, inclusive, and equitable communities. Uh, and in fact, uh, we know that suburban communities have become racially diverse uh, over the past couple of decades. But the problem is they're still segregated. And we have to change segregation in housing because we know that that also impacts uh, who gets a quality public education. Uh, which goes on to compound the kinds of inequalities that we see uh, when you compare black and brown communities to white communities. You know, we live in a society where in a property tax funded uh, based system of public education, largely, you see the concentration of tens of billions more dollars in white communities and the deprivation of, of, of black and Hispanic kids of critical educational opportunities they don't receive because they don't get to go to quality public schools. And that's just one byproduct of the segregation that we see in our society. And you've actually been doing a lot to fight that. So you co-founded the nonprofit Rising Leaders to teach leadership skills to underserved middle school students. That's really awesome. Uh, what's what do you think is the biggest lesson you're able to uh, bestow upon these students? Oh my God! You know, I feel like I've learned more from them than than, than they learned from me and, and from our volunteers. Um, and, and the lesson I've learned is that there's just so much talent, unlocked talent and potential. Uh, that is only unlocked when, 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 when you give these, in this case, middle school students, underserved middle school students, an opportunity to thrive. Um, you know, one, one of the things that um, I, I think people are, are coming to realize is that uh, if that there are a lot of opportunities for people my age, I'm 33 years old and younger, to get involved and mentoring young people, um, especially um, young people who are underserved. And it just makes a world of difference just to see them once, once a, in this case, you know, we do a workshop once a month on a Saturday. I wish I could do it more frequently, frankly. Um, and, and, and you see, when you speak to the teachers, just a, a different in, difference in attitude and in performance, and we teach professional skills, right? We don't, which is a supplement to the academic instruction that they receive. Uh, we teach things like financial literacy, and um, and 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 we teach, you know, how do how do you uh, how do you apply for these specialized schools in, in New York City that that all kids have to apply to, which is ridiculous um, to get into to gain entry into high school. That's really cool. Thank you for doing what you're doing. That's that's really great work. Um, so uh, on November third and beyond, 
we're still going to be in a pandemic. I mean, th- those are the facts. And I-, I think you propose that we should send a check of $2,000 to every American plus $1,000 per child per month uh, while this is going on. Uh, but as we see Republican leadership, they say that this de-incentivizes people to work. I mean, what's what's the response to that? <laughs> uh, it just means you got to pay people more, uh, you know, in their in their full time employment. Uh, but you know, that's not. It's just not. A, it's just not an argument being made in good faith, and we know that, right? We know that Republicans right now are trying to reduce. Uh, unemployment benefits for people who even even as we just went through a period where 40 million people lost their jobs over the course of 10 weeks um, these 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 arguments are just demonstrably not made in good faith uh, because we know that corporations are being bailed out uh, now they're now they're inserting liability um, liability immunity provisions uh, on, on for for the corporation for the corporate benefactors uh, and so we have to make sure that we are doing things like passing Maxine Waters' bill, uh, which would do that two thousand on the House side, which would do that two thousand dollars a month for every for every adult, one thousand dollars for every child. I have said repeatedly that a one-time twelve hundred dollar check for a subset of the American people, meaning you know more, more recently they had to make under seventy five thousand dollars, is such a slap in the face for most Americans, including people in my district and Westchester and Rockland, where it is extremely expensive to live. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And that's also another uh, issue, too, is the expense of living. We see rents increasing just astronomically throughout the entire country, especially where you live. Uh, how, how do we tackle that issue, just since you brought it up? I'm sorry, say that one more time, though, just the, the cost of living? Yes, the cost of living, the increasing rents, uh, that, that right there is... Like you said, the $1,200 check is a slap in the face. That will barely cover rent. That is a direct result of the fact that we are short on supply for affordable housing. Um, You know, we we need to build millions of additional affordable units of affordable housing all throughout this country. Uh, Again, including right here in my district. Um, You know, there was a a study that was done uh, a few years ago that showed a significant shortage in Westchester County. I think it happens to underestimate. Um, the, the, the need to build additional housing. And when we do it, by the way, it should be social housing, so-called mixed income housing, um, so that we don't ghettoize affordable housing the way the communities, the municipalities have done in the past where they just build affordable housing in one corner of the community. We have to integrate. Uh, and so, you know, my, 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 my preference would be for mixed income housing. Um, and, of course, there are other structural changes that we need. We know that when people are finding $1,200 not enough to pay for the cost of living. It's because they're also paying for the cost of health care on a monthly basis. That's why I support Medicare for all. The only policy that would literally insure everybody and do away with co-pays, premiums, and deductibles and cap the cost of prescription drugs at $200 on an annual basis. Uh, you know, it, we, we know that uh, one reason people have trouble uh, getting a lot out of $1,200 on a monthly basis is because they're saddled with crippling student debt. There are, ten, there are thousands of uh, young people my age and younger in my district who are living at home with their parents and their grandparents despite having college degrees because they have so much student debt and they can't be, be afford to be on their own paying rent or owning a home. So we have to do something about that too. We have to liberate an entire generation of young people to meaningfully participate in this economy. You brought up the $1,200. I, I read somewhere that the $1,200 when they uh, uh, passed the CARES Act was based on the federal minimum wage 
for four weeks, a one-month period. What are your thoughts on the federal minimum wage, and, and where should we go as a, as a country in regards to that? It, it, it needs to be at least twice what it is right now, so it needs to be $15. Um, and, you know, I was kind of talking to someone earlier today saying, and, and really, you know, you know, a lot of argument from people who say $15 isn't enough, uh, but it needs to be at least $15. Out on an hourly basis, and I'm I'm really optimistic that that will get passed when we take back the Senate, when Democrats take back the Senate and, and take back the White House this fall. I really I really am optimistic about that, and I think we'll, I think we'll get that done. Well, now you go ahead. You, you brought up. Well, I'm sorry to no, interrupt, but, but but we talk about the federal minimum wage. We talk about. You know, one of the things is, you know, a casual, I'm a casual observer of politics is I feel like a lot of our issues come from corporate lobbyists and uh, Congress people and senators and, you know, Senate uh, members of Congress being in the pockets of these lobbyists. And they've, you know, they continue on for 30 plus years serving their you know public you know service. What is your thoughts on uh, lobbyists in general and also uh, term limits? I'm a big proponent of term limits. Uh, you know, I, 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 don't, I don't think it's a surprise to people that uh, I started out my race by primarying my member of Congress, uh, you know, I've been in office since 1989. You know, I wasn't quite two years old in January of 1989. And... Um, you know, I think that one of the challenges of being in office for such a long time is that you lose um, a perspective that is um, consistent with the times. And so, for me, you know, I, I'm 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 a I'm an advocate for for big structural changes, and I don't that advocacy and that urgency uh, wasn't, wasn't really there in, in 1989. I mean, they, they, there are some people who brought it, right? Like Bernie Sanders, even back then was, 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 was a, was a champion. He was, a, he was what we would call today a progressive. But, um, at the time that Democrats were taken office several decades ago, they were so jaded by democratic losses in presidential elections and, and going into the nineties, I think nothing changed with respect to that. Um, they saw a president, uh, when uh, a Democratic president win and, and, re, and then win re-election only through triangulating, you know, doing things like passing welfare reform uh, and the Defense of Marriage Act um, and, you know, and don't ask, don't tell and, and so on and so forth, um, basically being, you know, doing things that you would expect Republicans to do, uh, that they that they have missed the time, they have missed the moment. And so now the country is hungry for the kind of progressive vision that people like me uh, and Jamal Bowman and others and AOC um, and Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders are, are, are offering. And it's why, um, you know, it, it's why we have to ask the question, what are you fighting for? And if it's insufficient, then we got to get people out and, and, and get new people in. What, what term limits would you support? <laughs> so in my case, uh, I, I would I would say certainly no more than thirty years in the in in, in the House of Representatives. Um, you know, I, I haven't I haven't given tremendous thought to a specific number. Well, you you said you support Bernie Sanders, but he's held public office for what was it thirty or thirty five years? Uh, you know, I said on I said on the House side, but and 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 here's the thing, you know, if we get to a point where we do enact term limits. 
then it, it can't be that because we like specific people a lot um, that that the rule is not in the aggregate a good rule. Um, right, you know, we can make sure run. we can make sure that we re replace good people with other good people <laughs> as, as, a, as a necessary byproduct of a blanket rule. So what were your thoughts on lobbyists, on corporate lobbyists and their, the part that they're playing in Washington right now? You know, um, I don't take money from corporate PACs, which is something that I wish more of my Democratic colleagues and obviously Republican colleagues would would, would also commit to. Um, you know, I'm, I, I, I'm from, I heard about a letter recently that was being circulated that said that no one with prior experience in the private sector should serve in government. I don't go that far. I mean, I, I work in the private sector, but I'm still a progressive. Um, you know, lobbyists, I, I think, you know, they're, they're like the unions have lobbyists, right? So like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna vilify lobbyists in general. You know, I mean, there are people working for the National Resources Defense Fund who are lobbyists technically, but I think we need to rein in the influence of corporations in our politics. Uh, and that means that we do need to have rules like what Obama tried to implement, which said that, you know, you, you can't, and what Elizabeth Warren in particular has been a leader on, I'm going to give her credit for that, um, that says that, you know, there needs to be a cooling off period. Uh, and in some instances, you just don't get to serve if, if you were a lobbyist, depending on the scenario. Well, the election is coming up uh, very quickly. November 3rd, you're on the uh, general election, and we wish you the best of luck. Hopefully, uh, we, we hope to have the opportunity to maybe check in with you on election night. We'll be live here um, all night covering, and uh, uh, we appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. Thank you so much. It was a really interesting conversation. Uh, Mondaire Jones, go to mondaireforcongress.com. Anything else you'd like to plug? Uh, no, thanks so much. And yeah, please do go to my website, mondaireforcongress.com. Uh, you know, I'm not just going to be a representative for the people in New York's 17th congressional district. I'm going to be a representative for everybody in this country uh, who wants people to give voice to the concerns of everyday folks. Um, and and I'm really excited to get to work because I think I think that we're going to get a lot of done a lot done in 2021. We just need to do the work that we need to do right now heading into november to, to get the right people in power and as soon as that happens in 2021 we'll uh we'd love to have you back on as an elected member of uh, congress and thank you so much for joining us we appreciate it yeah. best thank of you, luck I love that. yeah thank good you. luck good luck thank you so much thank take you. care bye there we go Mondaire jones joining us live we went a bit over but uh it was an important conversation i thought so good interview i like him We'll be right back. Don't move. We're watching you. Like a condom. Yes. Okay, that's the first thing that went over there. You know, when I say we're going to go back on the air, usually that means stand by. Say, wrap it up, I say. We've done this for how many years? And uh... I tweeted out a tweet the other day. I think it was yesterday that had a list of the dates that everybody can get the last date that you can sign up to get your absentee ballot online in every state. That's there. At, uh, it's news to us on Twitter. Follow that. News to us on Twitter. Yep. Okay. Thanks everybody. Um, and thank you very much, Tim Apple.
appreciate it very much, Tim Apple.